0: Love, talk Radio
1: Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the Pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education.
2: And welcome to Nature Folk with Selena Fox, brought to us every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, here on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. Nature Folk is with Selena Fox, is a production of and a component of Circle Sanctuary's radio ministry program. Tonight's program is a rebroadcast of the Nature Folk program from March 14th of 2017, where Selena talked with Nancy Vetter Schultz about her new book, The World Is Your Oracle. And after Nature Folk, please stay tuned for an episode of Circle Talk with Celia talking about Celtic music and culture within the pagan community.
3: Welcome to Nature Folk. This is Selena Fox, and tonight we have a treat. We are going to be part of introducing a new book to the world. It's a book on divination The World is Your Oracle. And we have tonight the author, Nancy Vetterschultz. I've known Nancy for many years. Circle Sanctuary has put on a winter solstice pageant in Madison, Wisconsin, and she's been part of that for many years. But I've known her in a variety of capacities. She not only is the author of this new book, but she has been a columnist for Sage Woman Magazine. She's been a blogger for Tacoon Daily and Feminism and Religion. She's presented many types of workshops, classes, spiritual growth keynotes over the years, and she's been a mover and a shaker and a wonderful, innovative thinker in the field of women's studies at the University of Wisconsin in Madison and beyond. In 2013, Nancy Wittersholt's PhD was named one of the wisdom keepers of the goddess spirituality movement. In addition to her writings and her teachings, the various ways that she has taken goddess spirituality into the world has included music she has a cd of goddess chants from around the world chants for the queen of heaven and she has a live recording called singing the promise so i present to you tonight nancy an educator a workshop facilitator a musician Who has really done a lot for women's empowerment, for spiritual growth? She's helped inspire not only the Goddess Spirituality movement, but has contributed to contemporary paganism. And I welcome her on Nature Folk Tonight to talk about the world is your oracle. Good
1: evening, Nancy. Hello, Selena. You've made me really smile, like a huge smile. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, it's so good to have you on Nature Folk. And I'm so excited about your new book. I have a copy of it right here in my hands. So, you have worked in the realm of spirituality, women's studies, Goddess spirituality. Contemporary paganism and related fields for many, many years. How did this book come into being?
1: Well, I actually had an idea about this many years ago. It must be eighteen years ago because um i was I just had this i thought it was a great idea. I wanted to put together both a book and an oracle deck, and I wanted my daughter to paint the pictures on the oracle deck. And so I went to her. She was 17 at the time and said, you know, I have this idea when you pull the card, it will give you access to a technique rather than just an answer to your question. And Linnea looked at me and said, you want me to paint 51 or 52 of these I don't want to do that. I I want to try different media. I want to try different styles. I want to try different ideas. And I went, oh, my gosh, of course, you're 17. But when she was in her mid-20s, she came back and said, Nancy, you know that book? Let's do it. So we got down to business. And actually, it has evolved over the years. Since it's 18 years ago, I had the idea. But I didn't start working on it until about a decade ago. And what I, I uh, realized was that one of the things that distinguishes this book from the other kinds of divination techniques that are out there is that it's not an answer to a question, but it's various techniques. And what I realized over the years is that people tap into their inner knowing from, through three senses mainly – either the visual, the auditory, or the kinesthetic. So that was one of the changes that took place over that last decade, where I divided all of the different techniques into one of three categories, according to the senses that are being used. So it's been a process. And then the most amazing thing was, I'm a Unitarian Universalist as well as a Pagan, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I will not be able to share this with most of my rationalistic UU friends. And Mark, my husband, found me this book about aha moments and the brain imaging that has been done to show that you have to get your mind into a certain state, a mental state, which is exactly what sears and sages have done for the last many hundreds of years and as a result of that, you get an aha moment popping into your, a, a new idea popping into your mind as an aha moment. And so I was able to add a chapter on science as well and how actually science has now shown that divination facilitates new ideas, which is, of course, exactly what it's supposed to do.
3: Exactly. and. One of the things that I appreciated about the book was not only your talking about the question that you set up for divination, but really looking at the question as its own kind of process. Right. And and seeing Mm -hmm. that guidance can come in a variety of ways.
1: Right. That's an important understanding. Many people are doing divination.
3: Yeah, many people do divination. They don't really call it that. So I appreciated the first part of your book where you go into oracles and expand... The notion of divination beyond divination systems that many people are familiar with.
1: Exactly, yes. So I think the big difference when you look at tarot or runes or the I Ching, what you have are in a sense, pre-programmed answers to questions. And that works, too, because what happens if you look at a tarot image or what the tarot card is supposed to mean, that will be an insight trigger to come up with new ideas. But this, this is actually more like training yourself. My book helps you to understand which of the three senses is the most conducive to your tapping into your own inner knowing so that you can do it at any moment in time. You don't need to pull a tarot deck, you don't a tarot card, or a rune. You don't need to throw the I Ching. So what it is is essentially teaching you to be more clairvoyant if visual is your vision, is your sense, to be more clairaudient, if your sense that taps you into your inner knowing is the auditory or become more clairsentient if it's the kinesthetic that gives you information from your unconscious, your inner knowing. So you're right. It's beyond systems into the ways in which we actually experience the world in an intuitive way.
3: I actually see that as we become more attuned to our intuitive dimensions, we go deeper within ourselves and we get more connected with that world that indeed is our oracle.
1: Exactly.
3: I really appreciated you also talking about... Divination in a wide range of ceremonies, meditations, reflections, connecting with the natural world as well as our own bodies. And I really appreciated in the book the step by step instructions mm-hmm. with the several dozen plus. Um, ways of doing this, and
1: wonderful
3: artwork as well that complements.
1: Yes, I, I've been uh, selling these books to friends and, and family in the last couple of weeks because it just came out on March first, and, you know, people don't have a chance to read when you when you hand them a book, but they can look through the pictures, and they've all been saying. Oh, my gosh, your daughter, Linnea, is such a wonderful artist. And I'm a proud mama when it comes to that because I really agree. I think the book looks beautiful. Yes, and the, the I think that one of the things that I really wanted to do was to have a wide variety of different techniques that people could use, from very simple basic techniques to things that, you know, are much more, in a sense, advanced because they they build on your ability to be in tune with that particular way of tapping into your inner knowing so there are things like book oracles where you just pick up a book at random you ask your question you open it you put your finger down on a spot and you look at the word or the the various um, phrases that are there, and that gives you some information that you didn't have before. So that's a very simple, straightforward technique. And then within the visual realm, you could do something like scrying, which is not at all uh, a simple technique. From I'm not a, a visual um, diviner. I am an auditory diviner. So for me, I have to be very, very specific in my setup in order to do scrying, I have to do it in a dark place. I have to look at the water or the mirror or whatever at an angle, probably with my eyes slightly closed. And that'll sometimes work, but sometimes it doesn't because I'm much more tuned into listening to um, my inner wisdom. So there's that kind of breadth from easy, simple techniques. To more advanced techniques and then there's the three different categories. Some of these are ancient techniques from the Greeks and Romans. Some of them are indigenous techniques that have been used by people who are, for instance, Native Americans or South Americans, Asian people who live still in a more natural environment than those of us in the West. And um, so it has a wide variety. It's a multicultural, multi-religious compilation of 40 different ways to tap into your inner knowing.
3: One of the ones that I have had in my own life, I found in the book, and you've named it, Stars, Cosmic Uh Connect the Dots. And one of the things that I have done not only in my own spiritual practice, but I've encouraged people, especially those who have quite a bit of angst about uh, present circumstance, to go out to a place where one can see the night sky, look at the stars, and do a kind of stargazing. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with this uh,
1: star pattern scrying of sorts. Yes, it's instead of using astrology, which is a much, is, is a divination system, this is much more open ended. It's like anyone can just go out and ask their question that they need information about, and then feel which direction, which quadrant of the sky that they are. Being pulled towards, and then spend some time looking at those stars and see. Some people would need to, you know, make a little pattern of dots on a piece of paper and then connect the dots. Some people are more visual and will see those star patterns themselves. But this is not looking for constellations necessarily, although you might find a constellation. It's putting together. A, a vision in the sky that's your own. Now, if you come up with a constellation, then you can use that mythology as an answer for your question. But if you come up of, with a picture of something else, then you have to start using free association. That's that's the other thing that I think is uh, an important part of this book. I included some information about how to figure out what your Oracular outcome means So if you for instance See an elephant In the clouds or in the, in the Stars then You would have to ask yourself A number of You can ask one question over and over again Until you come up with an idea Of what that Particular Image means to you So for instance you can ask What does an elephant mean to me What does an elephant mean to me until you finally tap into, oh, strong and steady, powerful, whatever your particular associations are with that image. So it's an important thing if you're going to use more less um, systematic ways of divining to have a way to figure out what your oracular outcome actually means. So that's one of the things that I included in here is using free association, where you freely associate with all the different kinds of meanings that a particular image, thought, word, um, sound, whatever the oracular outcome is, what does it mean to you? I'll give you an example. One of the um, auditory, techniques is called sounds. And I remember one day I was do a sounds divination and sat down to sort of um, do a grounding and centering exercise because it's very important to get yourself into a place of warm receptivity and calmness in order to tap into your inner knowing. And as I sat down I can't remember which happened first, but I think um, the first thing that happened was that I, my mother-in-law telephoned, and she stopped me before my division, divination even began. But since I'd already been interrupted, I decided that I would go to take a bathroom break. And as I was sitting there, I noticed that the noise that was being made by the toilet roll seemed an awful lot like... No. And my question had been, do I need any more techniques in my book? So my mother-in-law stopped me. The the toilet roll sounded like no. Then I heard a neighbor slam a door, and that certainly (laughs) sounded like no again. And I'm a pretty stubborn person, so I sat down to um, do my grounding and centering because I was going to do this sounds divination. And instead the timer went off because I wanted to make sure that I didn't sit too long because I had had back problems around then. And after that fourth interruption and the fourth no, I went, I guess I have my answer because (laughs) I finally could interpret that no meant no. So, yeah, so there are ways to – even when you're a stubborn person like me, you can find ways to freely interpret and associate with your outcome and find out what the divination outcome really means. It seems that synchronicity
3: is a dimension of working with oracles and more of this free form. Way being able to put forth an intention or the question, as you would say, and seeing what type of feedback starts emerging as you do that.
1: Right. Um, When I was writing this book, I actually spent a lot of time thinking about synchronicities and I think Ultimately, working with divination, you become more open to synchronicity in your life. Most of us live in a way which is not as wide open as you need to be in order to notice the synchronicities in your life. But if you are doing divinations quite regularly then those kinds of synchronicities start to pop up and you start to see when they're happening. And I think that's a really important thing. And I think actually you were asking a somewhat different question. Ask me again, Selena.
3: Well and that you know that's pretty much um, what I'm looking at. And I I also think there is a psychological and spiritual growth that happens When you involve divination and work with intuitive dimensions of knowing, part of decision-making, rational, analytical, cognitive processing is an important way of working with information, especially at major life crossroads, being aware of the deeper dimensions of what's going on is essential in my way of looking yeah. at it. And I do think whether you choose divination or not, messages are going to be coming your way. You need to be open to looking at them.
1: I agree with you completely, Selena. The, my book is... Um, Actually pretty open-ended I don't try to tell people How to define What their inner knowing is But in my case I do define my inner knowing As the goddess When I tap into My, my inner knowing I tap into the goddess's wisdom That's how I understand What's happening So I do think the more That I can let go of my Need to control With my rationality and open up to the possibilities that are there in the larger matrix, which I call the goddess, you could call the world, you could call it mm. the universe. Whatever it is, when you open yourself up like that, then spiritual growth will take place and you won't, because control does not help you in terms of your spiritual growth. It's It can get in the way. That doesn't mean that we don't, use our rationality most of the time as a sort of triage system to allow us to make decisions rapidly because we have a lot of decisions to make in any day and you know understand situations in the most obvious way possible. That's what you would call thinking inside the box. But there are often times in our lives, especially when change is taking place in our lives, when we need to stop that kind of rational thinking and allow ourselves to be more open to the possibilities of our unconscious mind, to the possibilities that come to us from the world as our oracle and That's what this book is about, is those times and those places when we need to tap deeper into ourselves rather than stay on the surface with our rationality.
3: Yeah, and I know within the book, I haven't read it in its entirety, but I've spent a number of sessions with it, and I appreciate your inclusion of communing uh, for example, there is one working with the tree and mm-hmm. um, also looking at how our relationship with the realm of creatures in nature right. can help us understand guidance coming our way. Um, can you tell us a bit about I guess, the interface with some other Living beings as part of the world is your oracle, with animals, with plants.
1: Well, one of the techniques that I've included is called Creatures, Guidance from the Wild. And essentially this is is an ancient technique. Um, It was known within the Greek and Roman world. It's also known within... The uh, Celtic world is Duchain, I really don't know how to say Celtic words, so that is probably completely mispronounced. But it means first sight. And the Celts, the way they did it, they would start at the top of a very steep slope, steeper than any animal would be able to climb, and come down the slope, and the first creature that they met would be the answer to the divinatory question that they were carrying with them. And I have just changed this. I I don't say you have to go up to a very steep slope. Just go out into a park, uh, a natural area, along a lake, in the woods, and decide when you're going to ask yourself this question. Wait until the impulse is there from your inner knowing that it's time, and then start walking and the first animal, bird, whatever you see is the answer to your question. And one of the things that I have done to help you is to have a listing of associations at the back of the book. So um, there are bugs and there are animals and there are birds with. The sort of popular associations that, cultural associations that we have within um, the United States especially, but Western culture in general, um, for a particular animal, bug, or bird. So that if you don't have an immediate um, association with the animal or the creature that you saw, you can start by looking at the ones that I've associated, I've brought together. But I want everybody to know that I also leave an empty, a blank area there so that when you start to know what these animals, these creatures, these birds, these bugs mean to you, you can fill it in um, for yourself. Because we all have personal associations as well as cultural associations for the varieties of animals and birds in our lives. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, and I I see
3: that one of the advantages of having different forms of divination as options, that if you are finding one type that you're working with gives you an answer but you're still not certain, there is a way to do what's known in science as test-retest. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> I do think there is some advantages to having multiple ways to invite guidance to come to one's life.
1: That and is I, a do dangerous, think, I think that's a dangerous practice, though, Selena. It can lead to, I've known people who will pull tarot cards until they get the one they like. And I think it's important sometimes to just sit with our, our confusion if we don't know what's happening, rather than trying multiple techniques until we get the answer we want. I think that's unfortunately one of the things that tend to do. We know what we want to hear when we do a divination often. We often know that. And one of the most important things is to let go of that Desire for a particular outcome and let the world really tell us what we need to know to really well, let I, go of I control. really agree.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. But I think sometimes when one gets an answer and is not clear about it, it can be really helpful to do an additional approach. So part of what I teach people when they're working with a more structured system like tarot cards um, or the I Ching or even runes that one has life decision and one does reading comes away from the reading and it just does not quite get an understanding it isn't so much trying to get what they want to come right. from it in terms of a specific answer but trying to get clarity so when right. things may not be so crystal clear from one method And I do think taking a break and not doing a marathon of seven different (laughs) divinations in a row is really a wise thing. (laughs) Um, What I generally um, suggest that people do is, all right, you're doing a a reading on one day. All right, reflect on that. All right, in the evening, before you go to bed, do a dream quest.
1: Ask Uh, the inner knowing. Yes.
3: Yeah, ask the inner knowing to bring a dream that can give more clarity or to take a nature walk and have the awareness of the place in nature, the life form in nature that one feels most drawn to, to let that be a focus. So um, I, I agree with you with divination that you do have to, um, be open rather than attempting right. to manifest something that you want, yeah. rather than what your deep self seeks to present to exactly. you.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Selina. If you can, if you can discern the difference between a desire for a particular outcome, and just plain confusion. I think that test, retest is probably a very good idea and there are multiple ways to do that here. Um, I think dreaming is, most people these days know that dreaming can give you information even if they're not at all interested in divination, even if they're not at all you know, pagans. There's lots of, Christians out there who know that dreams can give them a lot of really important information and it's one of my divination techniques in the world is your oracle. In my life, it was probably the most important divination technique for at least 12 years because I was in a dream group um, for 12 and a half years and we met together every two or three weeks and we would tell each other our dreams and help each other figure out what they meant. And they really were, this was at a time when I was quite young and was still very much unknowing where I needed to go in my life. And my dreams were like a living religion in a sense. Jung talks about dreams as being able to provide you with a living religion. And they gave me a path that helped me to move from my unknowing to deeper knowing of where I was going And what I was doing So that was I actually was a pagan at that point But everybody else in that group Were, were not pagans But they were very happy And um, satisfied With using dreams As a means of giving themselves Deeper understandings Of their own life And where they were going So yes, I I think I think actually you can't lose with dreaming because it's you can't control your dreams. So there even if you want a particular outcome and you don't understand the first divination outcome that you've had dreaming will always give you the answer because it's your your internal knower, your inner wisdom that brings dreams to you. So I think you're right that dreams are a a really good way to go as a secondary means of figuring out answers to questions that are stumping you. So tell me, who did you write the book for? Well, that's an important point. I wrote this, I'm a Unitarian Universalist as well as a Pagan. And as a Unitarian Universalist, I really believe that a lot of what we all experience religiously has a common core. And so I wanted this to be available to people of any religion. Now, I come out of paganism, so my main slant is that of a a pagan. But I think that these techniques are available to anyone who's open-minded enough to not immediately say, oh, divination, that's, the Bible says you're not supposed to do that. So I think open-minded Christians could use this book, Um, open-minded Jews, open-minded Unitarian Universalists, of course, pagans and Wiccans. I even think open-minded atheists could use this book, but that would take, Quite a bit of open-mindedness In in my experience Sometimes pagans seem to have more um, They seem to only Want to talk about religion (laughs) In very negative ways So anything that smacks of Spirituality sometimes Is not available To them But this book Because it has this chapter on science I think may actually Be something that Atheists might be able to look into and make use of, well,
3: and I think the lens through which one puts forth the question and seeks to have the guidance, so i I do think without a belief in a particular divine form, one could see this as a different way of working with reason although some <laughs> atheists might find that that use of reason that I'm using right now is a bit too inclusive
1: but <laughs> no in i agree with <laughs> you selena because if we look <laughs> at what psychology is showing us today rationality is not the be all and end all of our thinking most of our thinking is unconscious So if we can find techniques to tap into our unconscious, and actually we make most of our decisions using our unconscious, if we can tap into that unconscious prior, in an earlier time, rather than waiting until we're completely stuck, it actually helps us. So I can see those people who are atheists, who have... um, spent enough time understanding how our minds actually work psychologically might find this book very helpful. Well, and certainly when
3: you look at some of the great scientific discoveries, um, some of those have come not only through a period of time of intellectual research and processing, but as one has gone to sleep, have had a dream, or as one has relaxed, that rational intellectual thinking has connected with an intuitive knowing and inspiration has come, a eureka moment, as it were. And I do think science is one way of looking at the world around us, and the mystical side is another way, but the two are interconnected. And so for I myself, I don't see it a problem working with the scientific method and really taking a scientific framework and having that part of my way of processing information, and at the same time, really developing intuition and looking at peak experiences and um, synchronicities as another way. To me, it's all connected. It's all part of nature, capital N.
1: I agree, Selena. One of the things, especially these days, given how chaotic the world has become and how we're constantly bombarded with a lot of noise, whether it's, Campaign promises, or expert opinion, or you know, advertising—it's um, even more important during times like these to tap into the what Stephen Jobs called the whisperings of intuition. And in fact, there—not that long ago, about five years ago—there was a big meeting of 1,500 CEOs from all over the world and they talked about this volatile market that they were dealing with, and they ended up deciding that it was most important to tap into creative insight or aha moments at this point in time. So depending on the period of time that we're living in, the emphasis needs more to be on intuition or more on rationality. And I think right now we're in a period where we all need to find that inner knowing that gives us sort of a stable pole in our our lives that keeps us from being buffeted by the winds of change as much as we would be.
3: One of the things about education these days, um, and not only for um youth, but as one goes into universities and colleges, there's a real emphasis on the development of the intellect. I think it's vitally important to also have people develop skills in connecting with intuition. So I would see that your book could be an excellent resource for people that seek to balance intellectual information and understanding with intuitive ways of having understanding. Have you ever thought about having a course using your book?
1: Well, actually, I'm going to be um, giving two classes beginning in April. In Madison, and then I'm taking my show on the road. I'll be going to Brooklyn and to New York City to do a bunch of different workshops there. But the classes here in Madison, the first one will be at Threshold, and I'll be talk. It'll be a four-part class starting April 17th, and people, if they're interested in this, it's Monday nights for four Mondays they can get a hold of me at my um, website, Nancy at net. And then on Tuesdays, I'll be teaching the same class at First Unitarian Society. Each of these classes start at 7 p.m., and um, if you want to sign up for the class at First Unitarian, you just have to call up First Unitarian Society, and they'll tell you how to do that. So, yes, I will be... I will be teaching classes, I will be doing workshops. I think, I do think this is an important time to bring together things that a lot of us have thought for many years are divergent um, realms, the realm of intuition and the realm of, you know, your book learning intelligence. Because I think we are at a point where things are changing so rapidly that we need to be able to use all of our intellectual skills. Imagination, intuition, intellect, rationality, um, emotional intelligence, uh, physical intelligence. I mean, I think it's very important for us to tap into all the different ways that we can be wise. And one of the things That the world is your oracle does is to give you a broad palette of different ways to do that.
3: And if people would like to get a copy of your book, um, tell us some options.
1: Well, pretty as I told you earlier, my book came out a month earlier than expected, so. My website is not completely updated yet, but in the near future there will be an option to buy a book from mamasminstrel.net. And I am also going to have a book launch at a room of one's own. They will have uh, copies of the book. So I will be there at 6 p.m. on April 7th to um, set, set sail um, with this book and um they will have copies there and uh it's also available on Amazon on Google on Barnes and Noble and it's even available as an ebook so there are many so if somebody different wants
3: ways. to be able to read it electronically that's an option as well exactly and as you um, look at this book, and bringing it into the world. Um, how would you come up with the title?
1: Well, I think that the title came to me fortuitously. And, but I think it's the perfect title for this book because what the title says is when you tap into the larger matrix of which we are a part, which I call Goddess, you could call World, you could call Universe. Then you will have a deeper knowing, a, a more uh, uh, a knowing that gives you greater wisdom. So the world is your oracle has to do with that fact that we um, each of us can tap into that wisdom that is there for us in the greater matrix. I'll give you a good example. I did a nature divination workshop um, a couple of years ago, and one of my students had two questions instead of one. She was standing on a boardwalk overlooking the, the arboretum where there were lots of swaying reeds and grasses, and her first question was, how in the world can I find happiness when I'm so busy with my work? And seeing those swaying reeds and grasses, she realized that, she could find little gaps in her life where she could bring greater um, joy into it. And then she asked, a minute later, how can I help my nephew? And instead of seeing in the foreground these moving reeds and grasses, she saw a big, solid tree trunk further on, and she said, oh, yes, I can provide him solidity. Um, by making room in my life for him. He can come live with me. And so what that shows is how we co-create our understandings with the greater matrix of which we are a part. It's our our angle of perception that allows us to understand with that greater matrix what we need to understand a a particular moment in time. So I think co-creation and realizing that we are part of a greater matrix and that that greater matrix has wisdom to share with us.
3: I think that's a really important um, dimension to it. I'm very thankful for your work and I see that the music, the blogging, the teaching to now have a book in the world as another way of connecting with that larger matrix we're all part of and as another gift to those of us who embrace spirituality, embrace deeper ways of being, I'm just very thankful that your book has come into being and that it is out. I think it's a perfect um, time as we move into spring, a time of new mm-hmm. beginnings, to look at some additional ways that we can connect with divine wisdom. And your book has done a wonderful Um, job of putting in easy-to-use form, um, a variety of different options. I'm wondering, now that the book has launched, if you've used any of the divination methods in it to give you guidance for taking it out into the world further.
1: Oh, yes. I can tell you a funny story. I was before it came out I was taking my daily walk and I was wondering Oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do with this book? You know, I, I I've spent so many years writing it now I need to get out there and get it out into the, the world. And I just as I asked this question I looked up and there was a car that had a uh bumper sticker on it that said I pedal wherever the voices in my head tell me to and pedal was not spelled P-E-D-A-L it was spelled P-E-D-D-L-E which means to sell things and I went (laughs) thank you, I agree I will pedal wherever the voices in my head tell me to so yes, that was one of the wonderful uh, synchronistic experiences but I've also gone down to the lake and asked about how I should be um, dealing with this situation in my life. And it's that's my favorite um, means of divination. I just go down to the lake, sit, ground and center, get quiet, ask my question, and almost as if the lake answers me. But it's not, I know that it's not, the, the lake has become a, personality that's giving me answers. It's that I am hearing my own inner wisdom intertwined with the lapping of the waves on the shore. The rhythms of the water start to become sentences, and I know pretty quickly what it is that I need to do. So yes, the the water, um, listening to the water is my favorite way to do divination.
3: and as you've been starting to take this out into the world what has been some of the response you've received so far
1: well Selena, it's been out 10 days <laughs> <laughs> but actually i'm just i'm amazed um i the books to my sacred earth chalice group now this This is a bunch of women at First Unitarian who all define ourselves in terms of earth-centered spirituality. So I shouldn't have been surprised that they all said, give me one, give me two, give me three. So I sold a lot of books that day, but the thing that most amazed me was that I told the group that at some point in time I was thinking I might set up a training for how to teach this Whole work the entire world is your oracle point of view and take it out into the world and I said I'm not sure when I will do that maybe in two or three years and one of the women said oh I want to take that training and I went oh my gosh maybe sooner rather than later so I'm very excited about how it seems to be opening up a path towards the future for me and that's just really amazing and gratifying after so many years of writing and sitting at the computer at home. Um, I have always been a fairly public person. I like to be out in the world working with people. So the fact that people are saying, yes, come out, come out, Nancy, play with us, is wonderful.
3: Well, I think it's a wonderful book to be coming into the year 2017. I am so thankful that you've done your podcast launch tonight uh-huh. on Nature Folk, and I wish you many blessings and success as you prepare for your face-to-face book launch in April at Room of one's own and the upcoming classes and workshops and and I'd like um, before we conclude for you to um, give your website and talk a little bit more about ways people can connect with you.
1: Yes. Well, my website once again is Mama's Minstrel, and that's just like the big mama who we all live within and have our being within Gaia. So this is, I'm a minstrel for Gaia, and it's spelled M-A-M-A-S, no apostrophe. I guess the Internet doesn't like apostrophes. All one word, (laughs) Mama's Minstrel, as a singer, M-I-N-S-T-R-E-L, so mamasminstrel.net. When I set up my website many years ago, I thought, I'm not a com, I'm a net, and I like the idea of, you know, the Indra's net of which we are all a part, which is a very good um, metaphor for our interconnectedness with each other and with all of existence. So please contact me at nancy at mamasminstrel.net, and I can give you information about all the different ways that you can connect with this book here in Madison or outside of Madison very soon on the calendar page there will be an update of all the different um, events that I'm going to be pursuing and ways to register for them. So I'm hoping that's within the next week. And please do come to A Room of One's Own on April 7th at 6 p.m. I think it will be a wonderful celebration of this new book in uh wonderful bookstore, my favorite bookstore, Room of One's Own. Uh,
3: What a wonderful thing. And um, what I like about the book is that it can be read from cover to cover, but it also can be read in doses. And I think that's important in this Day and age where we may want to sit down for a few minutes, and the fact that you not only have the chapters there, but you have practical information about how to do each of the 40 oracles and some reflections about that. So, congratulations on the birth of the world, is your oracle, and many blessings as you take it out into the world. And may it continue to be an aid for people who are starting their explorations of spirituality, as well as be a support for those already engaged in spiritual practice. One of the things I like about the book is that it has... Wisdom for those who are new, for those who have been um, working with spiritual practice for a while, and for those who have been involved for many, many years. Very thankful for your work. Many blessings and have a wonderful evening.
1: Thank you, Selena. Thank you for having me on your show. It was very much fun. Bye bye.
3: Good night. Well, now I invite. Um to come on. Uh David and Jeanette Ewing who help with Circle Radio, both podcasts, and um also want to acknowledge Deborah Rose. What do we have coming up for Circle Talk tonight? I believe we have a
2: special Hi. <laughs> Here we are. Sorry about that. Little uh little technical thing. So tonight, uh, this is David and Jeanette here, and tonight we are joined by Celia, who will be talking. We'll be talking about um, the Irish influence with music in in the pagan culture in the in the American neo pagan world. I guess you'd say.
3: Right. Yeah. And we get to talk to so Celia So we're again. celebrating Celtic culture this month, and certainly Celia, I've known over the years, and she has music and stories and creativity. So we're in for a wonderful treat. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And I want to – yeah, and I want to – Thank the Pagans Tonight Radio Network and Witch School International, which um, supports this network. I want to thank David and Jeanette and Deborah for your ongoing work with Circle Radio Ministries. I want to wish everyone a happy equinox for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere. Happy upcoming Spring Equinox and those in the Southern Hemisphere. Happy Autumnal Equinox! Um, If you want more information about Circle Sanctuary, you can find us on the web www.circlesanctuary.org. If you'd like more information about the work that I'm doing, you can find me on the web www.selinafox.com, and you can find me on Facebook Selina Fox Updates and Circle Sanctuary on Facebook. Circle. Sanctuary Community. And before we have a song by Celia to take us into the Celia show tonight, we have some announcements. I will be speaking at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh this coming Thursday night. That is Thursday, March 16th, from 6.30 to 8 p.m. I'm going to talk about pagan people, pagan ways. I'm doing a Pinnacle Magic Intensive at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve on Saturday. That is April 8th. We have Earth Day coming up on April 22nd and the 10th anniversary of the Pinnacle Quest Success On the 23rd and this coming Saturday on the 18th of March, we are having our Welcome Spring Festival. So if you're interested in finding out more about Circle Sanctuary events and events that I'm doing, connect with us online um, at the web pages and or our um, public Facebook pages, or you can Connect with us by email, circle at circlesanctuary.org. So um, tell me what magical music from Celia will be taking us into our show with Celia tonight. So we're going to be
2: uh, transitioning with a song that's on her uh, latest compilation CD of Irish music. It's called gnomes. We thought it would be a fun one to to shift over with.
3: Well, many blessings. Thank you all for tuning in. Stay tuned for Circle Talk and join us again next week for Nature Folk followed by Circle Talk. Many blessings.
0: In my chair, that's where I was the only one there. When a hazel branch stuck me in the head, and the coroner pronounced me dead. Seven years that I was gone, dancing jigs and singing fairy songs. Now I'm back, and you can't see. I'm a little bit human and a little fairy Well, those that took my brain. now would bet they are insane Cause I don't think there was There a gnome who thought as much as I did Ha, ha, the joke is not on me just now I'm living went down and I panicked in each moment as I jumped about the town. Now I'm neither here nor there and I haven't got a care. With me ringing? Leo, the that? That ain't Leo, I'm the way. Well, those noms that took my brain, I would bet they are insane. Cause I don't think there was there a who thought as much as I did. Ha ha, the joke is not on. Un- I'm living never me with every thing in the old body tidy night Cause I don't think there was anyone who thought as much as I did.
2: Hosted by the Reverend Selena Fox every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Join us here every Tuesday following Selena's program at 9 o'clock Eastern as we discuss various topics of interest to the pagan community. Circle Talk Radio was hosted on alternating weeks by Circle Sanctuary ministers Jeanette and David Ewing, and Circle Minister Deborah Rose. And before we begin, we would like to express our thanks to the Witches School International and the Pagan Tonight Radio Networks for allowing Circle opportunity, this opportunity to present our programming. And for more information about Circle Sanctuary. Please visit us on the web at www.circlesanctuary.org and visit our friends at the Witches School International at their website at www.witchschool.com. Ding. Okay. Well, good evening, everybody, and it's another Circle Talk night. It's Tuesday evening, and uh, we're here in in the midst of March. Uh, Many of us on the Northeast are are experiencing um, winter, Uh, An unusual winter thing happening for us right now, and in the DC area, this is our first really winter weekend of the season, and we waited until the last weekend of winter to have it. So, thank you, Mother Nature, for waiting until now to make us break out the snow shovels. Um, But it's March, and you know, we've got it's this is the time, this is the month where we all get into our our Celtic heritage, we've got Irish. Heritage Month and St. Patrick's Day is coming up and everybody gets all green and stuff about that and there's always the talk about what St. Patrick was about and stuff, And but we thought we'd give it some time this month to talk about some of the Celtic influences of the modern American neo-pagan world. Right. Right. <clears throat> so, and to start with that, um, we're going to talk with a, a somebody who's been on the program before, who's been a, a favorite at, at Circle and at PSG's, and is just a, uh, just a fun person to be around, and, and she's got some really good music and, and good stories, um, and that is Celia. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, so she's been around for quite a, you know, for she's been on the circuit here in a bit, um, got some good music out there, and, and she just came out with a new downloadable, we keep referring to it as a, as a new CD. A new, um, it's available through the Bandcamp site, her Bandcamp page, and is downloadable there. We'll talk about her new CD. And let's, um, let's go ahead and bring Celia on.
4: Because they're not really CDs anymore. They're we're, not really CDs. We're, not, we're really dating ourselves.
2: Like, <clears throat> like we, we used to, re- I mean, I still refer to things <laughs> as an album, you know, like, oh, well, wait, it's a CD. No, it's a download. So we have Celia here. Good evening. Good
5: evening. Good to be here with you.
2: So, what do we call it? Is it a is it a, is it a, 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 a album? Is it not a you know a CD, a compilation, a download? Uh, it's a thing. It's a thing.
5: It's a, definitely a thing. I'm calling it a compilation because these songs that are on the Irish Songs compilation, which is name your own price by the way, as a download, all are finding homes in other places. I have two CDs that are all Irish songs. I have one CD that's all Irish stories. And then I have different things that I've only released as downloads. And so I put a compilation of 16 of those songs together as a download, and I'm calling it my Irish songs compilation for the March of – the March? The March of month. The month of March.
4: (laughs) The March of March. Excellent. And – what do some? What are? Uh, are these all? Is is it a re? Um, is it a compilation of songs that you have downloaded before and have been on other albums? I'm gonna call it an album. Yes, I know it's not on vinyl, but whatever. Um, or are they? Or is it a combination of older and newer stuff?
5: Definitely a combination. Like, for example, the Manan and McLear song is not on a CD or compilation per se. I recorded it after the statue was stolen. We might talk about that later. But I did include it in this compilation. And then there will be songs on this compilation from my Fire in the Head CD, which was my first uh, professional CD of my career, which is all Irish songs. And then there will be songs from the Tommy Makem album, The Bard of Armagh which I did, um, gosh, I forget the year, 2007 perhaps. And then there's some that just haven't found homes yet that are, uh, like there's one called Laying Down Floor Laughing, which is a lot of laughter in an Irish tune. So it's just a mix of things um, that I wanted to share with people and give people the option to listen to some Irish and some Celtic music in the month month of March and beyond and be able to name their own price for it which is wonderful because sometimes people Don't always have the money for music but they still Want to support and so some people Might name their prices Zero this time but maybe next time around They'll they'll offer something else and it's a wonderful Way for for we musicians To connect our fans with the Music in a way that works for everybody
4: and I I Don't know if other people do that I think it's a rather Unique thing that you do And I gotta say That is a very cool thing that you do, a, a wonderful way of giving back to the community. And it's, You know, I think it's a give and take, a very reciprocal sort of relationship that you and other artists like you have with the people who who enjoy your music, who love your music, and who, you know, get a lot of spiritual fulfillment out of it and just, you know, general enjoyment
2: for sure. So, Right. And that kind of mindset, too. Like for me, I'm more. I might be more likely to actually name a price higher than you would list it for, just because of that type of expectation and that kind of that mindset that that's there. Is like, well, you know, whatever you can, if you can, great. You know, if you can't, fine. But if you can, whatever you can. Um, that sort of relationship with the listeners and the fans and stuff and your following. Um, so you know, that that to me tends to be. Well, because of that, well, I would want to support you even more, so I would actually probably and i did when i when I downloaded that you know i i um you know named a price and and stuff for the for the for the compilation uh before we we came on here um because that I think it's a cool thing, so
5: well, thank you for that, yes and it does balance out and the way I feel about it is I have so much music, and I'm just getting started. I'm not going to stop making music anytime soon. So I have so much music, and I want to share it. I don't want it to just sit there and not land on the ears of the people that it might inspire. So any way I can get it into the ears of the listeners that works for everybody is a good thing. That, how could I possibly go wrong because I, of lack of my creativity, not whatsoever. So I know I can always make more. I know I can always share more. I know I can always write the next thing and record it and share it the next day. So I love to make it available so that people can, uh, maybe maybe it becomes their song for, for whatever thing they need to get through the day, to wake up in the morning, to go to sleep at night. I'm impacting lives and what more empowering thing can we do? in this lifetime, then impact each other in a positive way.
4: Exactly. And one of the nice things about living in the 21st century is you and other artists, many other artists, have utilized technology and you have downloadable music. And the type of music, you know, the way that you... Do your recording and your engineering makes it uh available to people much quicker than it was you know years before ten years ago yeah yeah even ten years ago, so I think that's a a very cool thing as well and you mentioned a uh, a song that we're gonna play in just a few minutes. we're gonna start by talking a little bit about what your background is as a as a pagan and Specifically for the topic at hand tonight, how has Celtic spirituality had an impact on the music that you write and sing?
0: Mm, Thank you.
5: Well, to me, spirituality and music can't be separated. It's all vibration. It's all energy. And I was raised in the celtic and the irish tradition my mother cecilia Farron, started the irish fest summer school in milwaukee wisconsin which has turned into a really great thing where irish musicians who are coming to play at the festival a week in advance will offer workshops whether it's playing the bones or the uh the irish guitar the fiddle dance classes weaving storytelling there's all these different possible things that people can take classes in Um, So I was raised in that, and I was raised at the festival, and I was one of those first little Irish dancers before, um, well, when we actually used our own hair, before they started using those little curls that bob up and down and and all these fancy, fancy costumes. I was a, a little Irish dancer when I was seven years old, and I was doing the plays, and I was doing the music, so I was really immersed in the Irish tradition, which is pretty powerful and strong in areas like Chicago and New York and and even Milwaukee. So the music was in our house. The music was being played by my brothers in the house, live on their instruments, guitar and banjo, and my parents would take us to the concerts and to the events. So I was really immersed in it as a child. And then I kind of went on with my path and did theater and went to New York and um, got my degree in theater and then was always pulled back to the Irish music. So when I took a trip to Ireland to go to the sacred sites with Tom Cowan, who wrote a book called Fire in the Head, uh, we were going to the ancient sites and really looking at um, doing shamanic, Celtic shamanic journeys near these megalithic stones. And that got me more into the spiritual aspects of it. As I say the music and the spirituality to me are one, but this is where I started learning more about the mythology, the legend being on the land of Ireland. And when, when I left Ireland that first time, I, well, I've cried every time I've left Ireland. I've been there uh, three times now. And there's something so sacred about the land, and, of course, I'm all all up and into the fairy folk and what's happening really within the land and the earth and the wisdom of the earth, and one of the principles that I did include in so what I did is I went to Ireland with Tom Cohen, and then I came back to New York City and I created a one-woman Celtic cabaret called Stories in the Stone, which is really about the Druids and their and also the bardic tradition and how we keep these stories alive by telling them and by singing them, and how the music keeps the stories alive. And so my principle was that what if the stones could talk? What if the stones that uh, were having these incredible rituals and wisdom moments happen could actually store that and we could extract that information so we could figure out how they made Stonehenge and figure out why they did it and have all this wisdom available to us because there was wisdom that got lost along the way. So that's kind of been my trajectory along the way from you know being a little Irish dancer to having the music in my bones to going to Ireland and learning more about the spirituality and now as I've made my living as a full-time musician I've been inspired by Bridget she has just really gotten under my skin and like Bridget songs just keep coming through and I'm still slowly but surely working on a Bridget songs compilation which um
4: Actually, here's a little secret.
5: I don't think I've changed that from Name Your Price to a Price. So you could probably go to my Bandcamp page and find that and get that for Name Your Price still because I've been lazy and I haven't changed it. So there's Bridget songs, a um, song from Manan which came up recently, uh, which really became more socially conscious and political um, uh, as a message. These things have all touched my life along the way. I started out as a Celtic-Irish um, singer, um, Irish-American, of course, and then wanted to write my own material. But a lot of my own material has been informed by my upbringing in that music. In fact, a friend of mine, Bob Sunday, uh, if you're listening, Bob, hello, uh, in Albuquerque he just gifted me with the, the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem live at Carnegie Hall. They just released that as the full concert experience because when I listened to it as a little girl they only had you know part of the show and I was listening to it on my drive from Albuquerque to Arizona which is where I am now on tour and just remembering these songs growing up as a kid this stuff gets in, in ourselves right this music And when I was a child, I had no idea what these songs were really about. And as they're explaining it, and I've now grown up and learned about the IRA and what was happening between the Protestants and the Catholics and the famine, I really had this much greater understanding of what these songs were really about. But as a child, I just loved the music. I had no idea there was politics. I had no idea there was strife and struggle. I just loved the music so much. So that is a long-winded um, answer to give you a sense of what my path has been uh, from little to now in the Celtic and Irish tradition and the music. Cool.
4: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um It's funny, you were talking about uh, that particular music festival in Milwaukee,
2: how many years ago did we go to
4: that? I don't remember, but one of the first times we went was back in the 90s when we We were with the Celtic Festival. Then,
2: so at the time we were with the, the Potomac, we were on the part of the organizers for something out here called the Potomac Celtic Festival, and we, along with another person on the committee, had traveled to Milwaukee to kind of see how a larger event did things. Um, so we went to the, the we went to the Milwaukee Irish Festival and and um well, it was huge you know a lot, a lot going on a lot of music a lot of crafts a lot of um you know stuff going on there it was just it was it was really and it's a
4: wide variety of different kinds of of Irish music right. uh and it's a very cool festival if you live in the middle of the country and you ever want a cool place to go to to really experience that type of music i would recommend that festival. Yeah, and looking right. up that particular festival because it is very a very cool, interesting uh festival to go to. So I can see how that particular event would have had a big impact. And
2: just living in that yeah in that in that environment. Right.
4: Yeah, yeah so um you're not the first person we've had on the show that that has talked about coming from a musical family. Right. Right. Uh so is there a
5: uh, song
2: that you would like us to play first?
4: So God, we have um.
5: um will we? Go ahead.
2: Okay. Well, I was kind of thinking since we mentioned it a few times, and it's been fairly recent um, that we could do the song from Manenan because of that. Because there's a lot of meaning to that song with what happened with the statue, um, with the statue of Manenan MacLear that was it disappeared, it was taken, and then later it was later found, um, and you were. You were present, I guess. You were, you saw where it was found, or I guess, in the state that it was in, on your trip, right?
5: Yeah, it's a great story. Uh, it's tragic in in one way, but uh, inspiring in others. So I actually got a call from Selena Fox, our beloved Selena, who does the show right before us here now, and and she said <laughs> she said to me, I just love her. She said, Cecilia, are you feeling Bardic? <laughs> so what's going on i actually heard about it from her and this story made international news because this statue was so beloved on top of um gortmore in limavady northern ireland uh it's a statue of manana McClear, the celtic sea god six foot plus tall So life-size, and he was on his boat. So people could actually get up on the boat and stand next to him and take pictures. So people from all over the world who had traveled Ireland had these amazing pictures of them with Manana McLear. So then January 21st, two years ago, that statue was stolen, uh, sawed off, fiberglass statue. They must have really worked hard at it, sawed off at the feet. The boat remained, but they took the statue, And they replaced Manana McLear himself with a wooden cross with the words, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So not only was the statue vandalized and stolen, then it was replaced with this cross, which is considered a religious hate crime for those who believe in Manana McLear. Personally, I had not even heard of him. Even though I've studied Celtic mythology, I was not familiar with Manana McLear. But when I heard this story, I was just so struck that someone would do would steal the statue in the first place, but then make it an issue, make it a religious issue with this cross, that it just struck every bardic chord in my body, just like the symbol song did when I did that. Because to me, the answer is acceptance, openness, tolerance, and offering every person the right to believe whatever they want to believe, no matter what that belief is. I will preach that to the day I die. And I do believe that that, if we get that down, we'll survive culture as a race, and as humanity. If we don't, we're going to keep beating the snot out of each other. And I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in listening and figuring out what we can do to really honor each other. So I wrote the song, Manana McLear, which really became about beliefs. And also honoring Manana McLear for what he was known for a powerful god who could create mists around himself and disappear into another place entirely so he had that transportation thing down i totally honor him for that i want to know how to do that he also (laughs) could change the weather he could decide oh there's going to be a storm here now Ah, i'm just going to decide to create some weather he could do that and one of the other things i love about him is his, his boat was called the wave sweeper and it was said that These horses would come out in front of the boat in the form of the waves, these horses in the mains. And he didn't have to have oars because he was so powerful. All he had to do was train his mind of where he wanted this boat to go, and the boat would go there. He didn't need any oars. So I incorporated all those things into the song. And also, my feeling was you cannot reason um, with extremists which is my belief is who did who did this act you cannot reason with extremists so I did not appeal to them in the song I appealed to Manan and McLear himself to be found now I am not claiming any responsibility whatsoever but that statue was found a month to the day later it was thrown off a cliff the back of his head had been um, removed uh, probably from the blow that he took when he hit, hit the ground off the cliff. His arm was um, messed up, and so there was a lot of deliberation. Can we fix him? Can we put him back? Do we make a bigger one? The whole town was in a kerfuffle about it. Through the process, I know this is getting to be a long story, but it's a good one. So through the process, I met the artist, Darren Sutton, who's also very famous for being one of the artists on the TV show Game of Thrones. And Darren was commissioned then to uh, recast the statue so that it was safe again. And when we went to Ireland, the very first place we went was to see Darren um, and his sweetheart. And we got to see the statue because the statue arrived in Darren's studio the very next day because the police had to do fingerprinting and all that with it. So the the statue was delivered back to Dungana in Ireland where we were the very first people who got to see him after he'd been through his ordeal. So there is a video on YouTube. If you look up um, Celia Farron and Manan, M A N A N N A N, you can see the video. You can see the footage of us with uh, Manan on his return and Darren and the artist and some time-lapse video of him creating the statue. It's a beautiful piece of art, uh, just a beautiful piece of art. So there's the story, and that was, I know, a huge long lead-up, but I suppose that just sets us up for the song.
2: It does, it does, and I found, you know, there's pictures and stuff of the of the statue, and it is, it's, it's really inspiring to see, you know, the the, the portion of the boat and he's standing up with his arms raised, sort of facing out to the sea. Um, it's, it would be something that it'd definitely be a, a required stop if we ever made it to to, to Ireland. Definitely. Um, so let's go ahead and do that then. Let's listen to the song, so everybody can kind of tune into that, and then we'll chat some more.
0: Replaced by the cross of so a thou shalt have no false gods before me Oh, manana, oh, manana, manana, the clear So sad to see you gone, but even sadder still To see this hate and fear For oh, I say believe what you want to believe Whether that would be one God nor winged fairies Faith is your own sacred song Live and let live Do as thou will And harm none O oh, Manana O oh, Manana God of the sea Stolen and replaced by the consular. thou shalt have no false gods before me O oh, Manana O oh, Manana Manana make clear have you do want to them
2: story about the statue and, and what was going on and then, you know, just... Right. If we can all just deal with believing what we want, life would be so much better. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah, and it did have a happy ending, which was a very cool thing.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. and also
5: that I think it it gave, I mean, as I love Selena, as she says, it, it's a, it was a wonderful teachable moment. And that when, you know, when you get lemons, make some lemonade. And I didn't know who Manan McLear was before. And his, you know, strange disappearance actually brought a lot more people in touch with his story. And some people would consider his story lore and legend. And some people would put him in their pantheon as someone to pray to. And that we can open our minds to someone's belief system, whether it's something like a Celtic myth or goddess that you know turned saint like Bridget and especially now with you know people who are of the Muslim faith who are so misunderstood by many in our culture because they've equated Muslim with the T word, which I find absolutely right. baff- baffling. And so yeah. it you know it used to be it used to be like the that the pagans were, were getting um discriminated against, and I'm sure that's still happening a a lot and and in ways that I don't even want to think about, but I'm just feeling so deeply for, you know, Muslim people who just want to get on an airplane and go somewhere and getting discriminated against because of their faith. This has got to stop.
4: Right. Yeah, Uh, just people who want to live their everyday lives, Yeah. you know, without having to worry about uh whether their mosque is gonna be torched or, or something if, else. Or
2: like you said, they just wanna get on a plane and go someplace. I saw on the news the other day that Muhammad Ali's son was detained for the second time at an airport. Like to me that's just getting it's just getting crazy. Um,
4: definitely
2: so yeah, we need to kind of bring some understanding and like let's just get along kind of stuff to, to, to everything. Um and I first heard about Manana Makulira back when we were first starting to learn about paganism way back when in the nineties when I was in the navy um, and, you know, started researching about different gods and, you know, pantheons and the gods and goddesses of, of the Celtic world in particular. And, I, and I, I found Manana MacLear, and, like, at the time, I was in the Navy stationed on a ship um, getting ready to go on our on our deployment to the Western Pacific and the Indian Ocean and, and stuff. And I thought, you know, here's somebody I just learned about. I should probably connect with him a bit uh, since we're going to be on the water. Um, so that was sort of my – he was one of my – introductory deities that I first, you know, learned about um, when I was starting my, our, our, our pagan, when we were starting a pagan path. Yeah. 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 So, you know, to hear about the statue and then the song, it really kind of brings that, brings those memories back for me. And it's really kind of a good connection there. So thank you for doing that. And
5: there Thanks, is Selena. another, she, she's the one who, she's the one who instigatrixed that. Thank her. <laughs>
2: No, she's behind so many things like that, though. It's just amazing.
5: She really is. She's such an instigator. I'm
2: glad she did because
5: it certainly expanded my horizons and my experience in just actually becoming part of the story of the statue. It's amazing.
4: Right. And That's really cool. Um, And there are other goddesses, but one in particular, you've written three different songs about, and that is the goddess Bridget.
5: Yes, yeah. at least three, at least three. I've got. I, I think I put up a YouTube compilation too. You could probably Do you, I'll have to look that. at that.
4: Yeah, I'm only yeah. looking at that. we've uploaded, and there, we've got four uploaded. Um, but yeah, thanks for mm-hmm. mentioning that. There's more than that. So she figures prominently in your life. I take it.
5: Did you say Bridget is prominently in my life? Yes, yes. Um, And I I can't even tell you why. You know, I'm not even sure how she came to me or where that story started to unfold. But when I was in Ireland last time, I did seek out the Bridget Wells. Actually, I kind of stumbled on a couple of them. And some of those videos that I'm talking about on YouTube, if you look up Celia and Bridget, um, you'll see some of these wells that I just stumbled on that I ended up singing at and in Kildare at um, the fire temple so yeah I do feel a connection I definitely feel the power of fire and I think the way they describe Bridget she looks a lot like the way I look so I feel this kind of kindred sisterhood with her as well and the songs just keep wanting wanting out so I keep listening and trying to facilitate
0: that
4: and there's one in particular, Bridget of the Sacred Waters, that we're going to play in a few minutes. And you have a version with you singing by yourself, and you have another version with Selena Vo- Fox in the background. And how did that come about? I was always curious oh, about that's
5: that. A great story. Speaking of how Selena's a, a creatrix and a instigatrix. Uh, I think it was Imbolc, uh, two, three years back. And she had posted something on her Facebook page with a incantation chant to Bridget, and immediately music started coming to me. And You know, I probably had four or five other projects on my plate, but I stopped everything I did, and I wrote the music to her words. And I recorded it right away. I tracked everything out, not just like a simple recording, but I did a full recording, and I kind of presented it to her. I said, I hope you like this, and she loved it. And then when I was in Wisconsin on tour, I recorded the first part in Arizona, in Prescott, Arizona, when I lived there. And then uh, when I was on tour, I said, hey, what do you think about putting your voice on it? So we actually recorded Selena's voice on her back porch in Wisconsin. And then I took that back to Arizona,
1: edited her
5: into that song. And so it sounds like we're both, you know, hanging out together doing this song, but really... Uh, she did that on her back porch, and I did my part in the studio, and then I took the magic of all that technology we talked about, put it together, and we co-created this wonderful piece called Bridget of the Sacred Waters.
2: Cool. That's cool. Okay. We'll take a listen to that. we played that a few times on the show here as a closing song or transition song and stuff, and it's always a fun one to it's listen cool. to. It is. <laughs> it is. So we'll just kind of picture ourselves. Sitting on Selena's back porch in the woods of Wisconsin, and uh, and the two of you are singing along here. We'll have that in our minds as we uh, listen to this.
5: and that's so funny because as soon as I heard that I'm like, we should tell everybody that that's actually water that was recorded at the Bridget Spring uh, at Circle. Right, so for indeed. people who, yeah,
4: yeah. who don't know uh, many, many years ago when Circle Sanctuary was very new um, Selena had dedicated that artesian spring to the goddess Bridget and it's a very, it's it's a little space but the spring flows and it bubbles year round. And if anybody knows anything about Wisconsin, you know that the winters can be really, really, really cold. And even when it's really, really cold, uh, the, it uh, it continues to flow, so it continues to bubble. And so it's an amazing sort of a thing. It's a very peaceful spot there on the Circle Sanctuary land. So, um, and, and it is. It's, it is. Yeah. Uh, as is typical for us we, we tend to talk too much And you know we, we don't keep track of time And we're at Like less than a quarter to ten uh, East coast time So Before we finish up And play this last song I want to make sure That people know about The shows you have going on This uh, The next several days so, you recently moved to the middle of a country, uh what I would call part of Tornado Alley, but that's okay and then you drove <laughs> back I know um, and then you drove back to Arizona, and you've got three shows coming up here in the next few days. Would you like to tell us about that?
5: Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. Um, On Friday, I'll be doing a show in Glendale, Arizona, which is in the Phoenix area. That's on St. Patrick's Day on Friday the 17th. Then I go to Tucson on Saturday the 18th. That's a during the daytime show at the Unscrewed Theater. And then I drive up to Prescott, and I do a a morning service at the Center for Spiritual Living, followed by a farewell uh, Celtic concert at 1215, also during the day. To get in touch with those concerts, you can go to my website, celiaonline.com, to the calendar section. That's one way, celiaonline.com. You can go to my Facebook page, Celia Farron Music and Comedy page, and you can go to the events there. Or you could go to Celiaconcerts.eventbright.com, which will show all the different concerts and how you can get advance tickets and save a few bucks. Now, also, the compilation that we've been pulling songs from to listen to is available for Name Your Price, like we talked about earlier. You can find that by going to my Facebook page, Celia Farron Music and Comedy page. should be up somewhere near towards the top. Um, just poke around for a little bit. You'll find a link to that, and you can go there and, as we mentioned, name whatever price feels right to you and download all of those songs. But for a short time. I'm not going to do it for much longer past St. Patrick's Day. So those are the ways to get in touch with me and see the shows that are coming up for those who are in Arizona. And also, no matter where you are, download some Irish music to get yourself in a Celtic-Irish mood for the month of March.
2: Cool. <clears throat> Fun times. And now you're, in the, you're and you're relocating to, I think it's what, the Kansas City area or whatever. So there will probably be some, some upcoming shows and stuff, I would imagine, for uh, in that neighborhood, for folks who, who are living in that part of the country to be able to, to, uh, to see some more some of your performances and, and experience some more of your uh, storytelling and maybe even get a glimpse at the Trussell Foot Ferry if she happens to put it in an appearance. <laughs> um, you know, I-
5: yes, all of those things. And I'll probably be doing a lot more live concerts so you can watch from any screen near you. So watch for that. Um, and you can go get three free songs right now by going to CeliaSings.com, and that also gets you on my email list so you can find out what I'm doing, where I'm going, where you can see me. Now I'm back in the Midwest and right now I'm in Phoenix, but I live in Kansas City now, so I'm closer to a lot of the places that I go regularly anyway. So I'm a day's drive from Denver, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago, Indianapolis, Dallas, um you, I'm right there in the heart of America, which just makes so much more sense for my touring, so those people in the Midwest will probably see more of me. Southwest I'll keep coming down here, but uh it's gonna be an exciting year, very exciting
4: yeah, um I'm looking at some of your some of the stuff you've got here, and it looks like you're gonna be doing a show in Austin, Texas, at some point this year and probably a whole lot of other places. So make sure if you are listening now, listening later, you can look up Celia Farron on and um on Facebook. On Facebook and look her up in other sources of the interwebs and you'll be able to find out lots of information about where she's gonna be playing and what all you're gonna be doing. Yeah.
5: Yeah, and I would say right now the best way to get in touch is, is to go to CeliaSings.com, get those three songs, get on my email list. Because the truth is, this goddess has been moving and packing and traveling. And I'm going to tell on myself, my website's not up to date right now. So I'll be doing Beltania uh, in Colorado uh, I'll okay. be doing like a festival in Minnesota, or sorry, Michigan, Wisconsin. I've got all kinds of things coming up that are just not on my calendar just yet. But give me some time to catch up, catch my breath, and I'll get those things up to date. If you get on the email list, I usually send out an email once a month to let everybody know where I'm going to be in the upcoming month. So that's probably the best way at this time. Please forgive me for not being as on the ball as I would like to be with all of the change that's been going on in my life.
4: Cool. <laughs> Yeah, because you're probably
5: still living out of boxes right now,
4: right,
5: at home? Oh, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Let's not talk about that. I'm in Arizona on tour, and it's, we can pretend that doesn't happen until I get back to look at the boxes. <laughs> that's
2: cool. Yeah, but we, I mean, we, we moved a lot in the navy in our Navy days and, and, and experienced that. We you know that world. And um, we haven't moved since 1999, and we're okay with that, too. So
0: um Oh my goodness. Right?
2: We got it. Yeah. <laughs> like where did I put this? Where did I put the thing? You'll Look find everything eventually. Right.
5: Yeah, eventually. Hopefully, uh well before I ever, ever, ever have to move again. If I ever have to move again, that would just be so lovely. <laughs> yeah. right. I'm a gypsy, I'm a traveler,
0: and uh that's all I have to say about Let's that. It's
2: that. <laughs> nice so have to have that that
1: root
2: someplace. Right, you know,
1: that like, home okay, base.
5: This, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. it, it does help a lot. When I was younger, I didn't care if I had a home base.
1: I really didn't. I really
5: didn't. In fact, I, I was like, eww, home, yuck, too, And now I'm like, right. I'd like to know there's a place to come back to where I can just rest, and I know that my bed will be consistent, and I know where the shower is, and I know where the post
4: office is. It's like
5: there are some things that I've looked forward to and comforts that – when I was younger, I just did not care.
4: Yeah, <clears throat>
2: um, that's cool. So, um, you the travels coming up. You got all kinds of music. Go to Celia sings. Look for you on Facebook at Farron Cilia on Facebook. You got your uh, the the Bandcamp Cilia Online um, page. There's a bunch of stuff there. Celiaonline.com. Um So you're like all over the interwebs. So. Very very findable. Um Yeah. With that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and definitely, like you said, recommend that people, you know, get the three songs, get on the mailing list. I I we joined that a long time ago and like to get the updates what's going on and, and uh and, and where you're at and stuff. So it's uh kinda kinda keep in touch that way. That's a great great method, um for that. So I think the last song we wanted to play, I think we're gonna transition out with this one, um, is who um, did the song for Ireland? Yeah. Yeah. So what can you tell us about that song, the song for Ireland?
5: Because I heard that song the first time at an Irish music session in New York City. Um, and I just fell in love with it. It's such a beautiful song. And Mary Black sings a version of it that I just love. And so when I recorded my first album, Fire in the Head, um, my brother plays guitar on this. And I I do singing. very simple, just guitar and voice. And it's just such a beautiful tribute to the west coast of Ireland, which is so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that I've had time there. So that's the story behind it. I love singing it, and I love sharing it.
2: Cool. Okay. And we love to listen to it. Um, so there we go. We're all it's all complete. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So uh, before we wrap up, we want to thank you, Celia, for joining us tonight. It's been a it's, all, it's been a pleasure as always to get to talk to you and um, learn a little more about where you're coming from and and, and what's brought the stories behind the songs and and, and that so, which is always um, makes the music more fulfilling to listen to knowing that the, the story behind it. Um, I think I really enjoy that you know the story part. Um, so thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to, to talking to you, seeing you down the road. Um, don't know when our paths might cross, but at least, at least we're, we're able to do it through the, the well, wonders of yeah. Electronica.
4: And uh, well, since you're in the middle of the country, it might be easier to come out east where we're at. Yeah. Sometime soon.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
5: you up. know, it will make it a lot easier. Being in the Southwest adds three extra days, so I'll be seeing you guys more. I I have a feeling.
2: Okay. Cool. Uh, we definitely want to thank Wichita School, International and the Pagans Tonight Radio Networks. They've, they put together this Pagans Tonight Radio Networks thing and, through Blog Talk Radio and uh, have allowed Circle this time to do our programming and stuff, which is, we've been doing this now for how many years? Two thousand, what, seven? No, it was. We've
4: been doing it for over five years.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's been, okay, it's been a lot, a lot of years already. Um, we've been on here, and, and we really appreciate Wichita School for for allowing us this this opportunity for for so long, and this generosity, and this this cross connection uh, with the Carillion group there. Um, definitely want to thank Circle Sanctuary and Selena Fox for poking and prodding and instigating as she does to keep us all on track,
4: <laughs> and allowing uh, people like Celia the opportunity to come on the air and share yeah. their songs and stories. You bet. You bet.
5: Thank you.
2: Cool. So we're gonna continue this month with some, we've got some other uh, Celtic related conversations coming up this month. Um, but we really enjoyed um, starting off with with celia with you and 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 talk about the Irish stuff. Um, it's really great. it's a good good start. So
0: thank you okay, thanks
2: yes think we're it. I think we're all wrapped up here. so we'll let you get back to your night and enjoy Arizona have a good um, have um, have fun. Performances and shows there and, and connection with with everybody there um, wish you all the best and until until we meet again, um, safe travels.
5: Thank you thank you so much
2: cool, and now this is the song for Ireland.
0: All the tall towers were stuck on their nest. Silver wings, they fly. They know the call of freedom, in their breath. I saw black heads against the sky, or a twisted rock that run down.